Lottie Dottie, what's poppin' everybody? It's your boy J5, aka Big Facts, here once again on January 8th, 2021. It's a beautiful day. You know why? You know why it's a beautiful day? Because you're here, I'm here, we're both here. Let's get it, right? Yo, welcome me back. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, baby. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here again about to do this podcast thing. I've been gone for a while, man. I'm sorry. I apologize to those of you who have been waiting for me to do an episode. I definitely apologize for the wait, but hey, I'm back. I am here and I'm here to stay. I want y'all to know that 2020 was a rough year. 2020 was definitely a rough year. I'm, I'm sure if it was rough for me, it was rough for some of y'all. I mean, it wasn't all bad. Definitely wasn't all bad. It was definitely a uh, time to reflect, time to put things in perspective, you know, make your life better. You know, what's really important to you? You know, who's really important to you? Who really, who really rocks with you? You know, 2020 definitely revealed a lot, revealed a lot about our country um, and revealed a lot about who's important to us. But um, to be honest, 2020 definitely revealed a lot about myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I started doing this podcast thing back in uh, 2018. I did a couple episodes, you know, did a couple interviews, not nothing too major, nothing, not a lot of people. You know, some you may know, some you may not. Um, but my main purpose for this podcast is what my title is, is Big Facts. Just to keep it 100% real, 100% facts. You know, factual, actual factuals, as I say. But, um, you know, I, I also never had an interview for myself. You know, I don't think y'all really know a lot about me and who I am. And where I came from, right? And what makes me the man that I am and who I am. So this episode is dedicated to me being my own competition. You know, mentions and intentions. What do you what are the mention? What are your mentions? What are your intentions? What do you intend to do? Who are you mentioning? You know? Uh who's in your circle? You know, who's who's really for you, you know? Um but y'all don't know too much about me, so I wanted to dive into a little bit about me, you know, a little bit where I come from, what made me who I am today, the man that I am today. And the man that I am today is a very um, I'm a matured man. I'm definitely, um, I am different from when I was younger. And if you stayed the same, if you are the same man you were at 20, and, uh, well, from when you were 20 to when you're 40, you ain't learned nothing. You ain't learned anything. So I'm definitely not the same person I was when I was, you know, 25 years old. I'm 35 now. Um, I got five kids, two biological, three bonus. You know, I'm married. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful children. I have a beautiful family. You know, um, that's who I am today. But who I was... Who I was was a different person. Uh, I was a very angry person since a very young age. I've always had a slick tongue. I've always had that comeback skill, you know? 
You ever meet somebody that just got comebacks no matter what? You ever meet somebody who just can 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 go toe for toe or blow for blow with the best of them? Pause. You know, like and and I mean you know cracking jokes and and clowning and 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 and, and roasting and all of that. That was my thing back in the day. You know I mean it's still my thing now. You know, still my thing now. But you know I. I my views are different now. Uh, my views have changed, but I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. I was born in Albert Einstein Hospital. If anybody knows where that's at, or if anybody is from the Bronx, then you know where that's at. Originally from the Bronx, grew up in, on 102 McKinley Avenue. That's Brooklyn for a couple of years. You know, my daddy from Brooklyn. Uh, my mom's from the Bronx. So I've been able to go to both places. I've been able to step in both arenas. I've been over... I've been in Ghost Town, and I've been in the jungle, baby, all right? I've been in both places, um, you know, and I've always had, you know, that that leeway to go from the Bronx to Brooklyn just because my dad is from Brooklyn. His side of the family lives in Queens and in Brooklyn. Um, you know, uh, we are Bronx natives, though, you know? I, uh, like I said, I was born in Albert Einstein Hospital, uh, grew up on 102 McKinley Avenue, parents split up, uh, ended up moving back to, uh, in between 178th and Bryant, which is building eight West Farms, Bronx, New York, um, you know, ghost town, as they say, um, as the people, as the who, as the Suwu say, but, um, you know, I am a product of the South Bronx. You know, I am a product of the South Bronx. I also lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Uh, you know, but majority of the first half of my life was the Bronx. You know, Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, the Cross Bronx. The Throg's Neck. You know, White Stone Theater. You know, that's where that's where I'm from. I'm from there. I'm from that area. You know, I am originally from the Bronx, but I moved to Charlotte when I was 13 years old. I moved to Charlotte in 2000, December of 2001. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm sorry. December of 2000, we moved to Charlotte. Um, we moved to Charlotte 2000, December 2000. And, uh, you know, 9-11 happened a year after that, which was kind of crazy because I spent uh, that time period in Charlotte when my heart was still in New York. You know, in the city, in in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, in Manhattan, in Queens, uh, we had definitely uh, it's definitely a culture shock. Once I got down here, it was definitely um, something I had to get used to. I had to get used to uh, some things out here in Charlotte because if you're from uh, New York City at all You know that you can get up and go Whenever you feel like it Even as kids You can ride the train Ride the bus as kids Whenever you feel like it So it's a different type of freedom In New York City um, And 
you know, I knew that very early in my life that there was a different type of freedom that we had. Um, you know, I'm from, I'm originally from the Bronx, which is little Puerto Rico. You know, my, my family's Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican, but you know, we pretty much black. You know, my grandmother, my aunt, they, they dark skinned. They thought they, they were Dominican. You know, when they were younger, they thought they were Dominican. Cause as you know, if you're someone who pays attention to what goes on in the world, just aware of the world, uh, Dominicans are typically a little bit darker than uh, other Hispanics. And if you know geography, you know why. But, you know, I am a product of the South Bronx. You know, definitely not an easy place to grow up in. Definitely not a, a place that I would suggest anybody who's weak go uh, live in. And... But it was fun. It was fun growing up in the Bronx when I was younger, man. I ain't gonna lie. I had a lot of fun when I was a young kid. I definitely did things I wasn't supposed to do. Um, you know, we used to ride the bus and and if we couldn't if we didn't have money to ride the bus, we tried to sneak on the bus and do things we wasn't supposed to be doing, you know. Um your, your corner store relationship, the relationship you have with the person in the corner store is very important to your success in New York City because you got to be able to leave your house and go clear your mind in different places. And the corner store is one of them, you know, when you're in New York City. But uh, 178th and Bryant. In between, I lived in Building 8 West Farms or Bronx. I've lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey for a short period of time in my life. I lived on Purdy Street in the Bronx. I've lived a couple places, but Purdy Street is right there, um, right next to Parkchester. Right? If you are familiar with the South Bronx, you know Hugh Grant Circle. Parkchester is that area that I'm speaking about right now. That is the area that I'm basically from. And I grew up there, grew up around some riffraff, but my family is a great family. I have a great family, close family, loving family. Um, you know, my dad always been around, but him and my mom split up when I was younger. And I have a stepdad who is black, who raised me and... Um, he's the one that pretty much, uh, you know, taught me a lot, uh, about just life in general. Um, and we'll get into more of that later on, but, you know, I'm basically a product of the Bronx, New York, but I am, you know, I'm not going to ever front on my family. My family's probably the best family I done seen in the whole wide world, man. I cannot stress that enough to, to respect, you know, peace and love when you have it, you know, because uh, a lot of us know that it, that's not easy to come by. And I thank my moms and my and my stepdad and my aunts and my uncles and everybody who and my dad and my grandmother and my grandfather, everybody who helped raise me. I definitely thank them because if without them, I wouldn't even be here. Because if you know anything about that area, you know it gets wild. It gets crazy. 
it gets it gets dangerous. Um, but you know, I lived a lot of uh, my first half of my life in the Bronx, walking, taking a train, taking a bus, uh, going to the park, playing basketball, playing baseball, playing football, becoming part of the the community. You know, of riff raff. Nah, let me stop. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. I mean, I ran away from home one time, but I ain't that bad. I mean, you know, step pops had to put a whooping on me uh, when I did that. But I mean, hey, that's what happens when you break the rules, right? So it is what it is. Um, always been an aggressive person. Always been a, somebody who was uh, slick with the tongue. I really never cared about how anybody felt when I said something. I always said what I felt when I felt it and how I felt it. No matter what anybody has ever addressed with me, I've always been the one to stand on what I say to you, whether it be nice or nasty. I'm definitely not the one to get the sugar-coated response from, right? Um, but anyway, you know, Half of my life I've lived in New York City. The other half I've lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, before I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, my mother presented me with two options. She basically came to me because she worked for a company that was outsourcing, well, not outsourcing, but they were basically moving the company so that they could get a, you know, land for a cheaper price, right? So they had, she come to me with two decisions she come with me she come to me and say hey look uh what do you think about denver colorado and at that time i didn't know nothing about denver colorado i was just like yo no ain't doing it snow a lot in denver ain't that the mountains in denver colorado i, I don't know like i said I'm, I'm 13 at this this age i don't know nothing about denver colorado i mean i was a basketball head uh, because Step Pop used to watch the Knicks on MSG every game, caught every game no matter what. And then, you know, Jordan was torching us in the in the playoffs. So, you know, we would watch it and get killed. And then it, that's where my love of basketball came from, you know, watching them Nick game, watching Jordan just torch us. But anyway, reason I bring that up is because I ain't know nothing about Colorado. Yeah, I wasn't too keen on it. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me go. Is there another option? Another option? Maybe? And she did. She had another option. She said, oh, well, what do you think about Charlotte, North Carolina? In my mind, I'm like, Charlotte? What do you mean, Charlotte? I don't know nothing about... Only thing I know about Charlotte at this point is the Hornets. You know, uh, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bowes... Um, Del Curry, uh, you know, Alonzo Mourning, bruh, that's all I knew, you know, that's all I knew about Charlotte, but, I mean, shit, I knew more about Charlotte than I did about Denver, Colorado, so, I was cool with Charlotte, didn't necessarily want to move, because at that point, I was making, moving and shaking, and, and, and trying to find my way around the South Bronx, which isn't really a good idea for any 13-year-old kid to just be out there trying to figure out what he want to do, right? And I, I don't know if she sensed it. I don't know if she could tell by, you know, because by then, you know, 11, 10 years old, 12 years old, 
you already riding a bus by yourself, taking a train by yourself, you know, doing things by yourself, meeting people your your parents probably don't want you around. So I don't know if she knew that I was already into things that she didn't know about or just didn't want me in, but it was like she kind of caught me right after I dis- discovered the fuck shit, right? So she tells me, you know, we you know, we got these choices, right? So I pretty much give her the gist of what I feel. She tells me, okay, well, cool. Comes back and says, all right, well, we're moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm like, all right. I don't know why Haystacks was in my head. I had Charlotte confused with Texas and all that. And I was just like, ah, man, okay, well, I guess we're going to Charlotte. So we we go, we move. December 2000, we in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, uprooted ourselves. And by that time, I, you know, I had a two-year-old sister. It's me, my mom, my stepdad. We moved down here. My, now, we weren't alone. My mom, like I said, my mom's company moved us down here. So my mom had friends and, and, and basically uh, family that, she had known for years and years that she worked with that, you know, we move, we all moved down here together, basically. Uh, we transplants of of uh, North Carolina. I mean, New York. Um, and and if you ever if you ever run into somebody that um, is is works at TIA Craft, you you know that that company is the company that brought a lot of the New Yorkers down here. For so, so for all you uh, Southerners who don't like um, New Yorkers who come down here, just thank TIAA-CREFT. They are pretty much responsible for probably 80% of the New Yorkers that are down here. So you can thank them. You know, we're, we're the CREFT kids, as I call, as I call us, right? So I come down here, got a couple friends from you know, mom's family at work, and uh, we, you know, I go to school here, I went to Vance High School, I went to Vance High School uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, I, uh, when I, when I first got there, I ain't going to front, I ain't going to be here, I did not want to be in Charlotte, I did not want to learn my way around, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be here, period, my whole plan was to do my, the rest of my career, my high school career uh, in Charlotte. And when I was done, I was moving back to New York. You couldn't tell me nothing about my plan. My plan was to get back to New York. Um, Now, my high school career here, I was not a jock. I didn't play sports. I did not. I was not in the popular crowd, as they would say. I wasn't in the my parents have a lot of money crowd. I wasn't in that crowd. I basically was only um, aligned myself with people from back home, right? I only cared about being around people who thought like me, talked like me, wanted nothing to do with the South at that point. They want to learn nothing about the South, none of that, right? Um, but I had this, this crew, this this family of my own that I had here, you know, this this group that we've pretty much like built. So I come 
to Charlotte, um, going to high school. And I started out with three friends. One that uh, I knew through my mom and his mom, because she worked with my mom. And then the other two had been here maybe like a couple years before we were we got down here. So it's four of us. And I moved to Charlotte in 2000. So I was a sophomore in high school by that time. I was a sophomore in high school and, you know, those were my boys. Those were the only people that I really talked to. I really clicked with. I really understood because we could go back and forth about stories from back home. And you knew exactly what I was talking about. You knew what a chopped cheese was. You know, you know what a taper was. Not a tape up, but a taper, you know. It, 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 it was just the lingo, this lifestyle, you know. It's just what is what it was, right? So, sophomore year, we pretty much just four of us, right? Then uh, junior year comes, and we basically, we getting a, more of an influx of people coming, right? From up top. So, it just, it just grew from, from there. It was just a growth of of up north kids that were in the south, right? And when you're in the south and you don't know nothing about the south and you see people from where you from, you're going to automatically go to these people. You're going to automatically, you know, gravitate towards those people. So when I moved here, I moved to Radbourne Lake. I don't know what it's called right now, but it's over there off David Cox and uh, off David Cox and W.T. Harris. So if you know the neighborhood I'm talking about, it's the first neighborhood I ever lived in in Charlotte. Um, you know, we lived there for like a year and some change. And then my mom and my stepdad bought their first house, uh, which is off Nevins, right next to Tanglewood. Now, if you know anything about Charlotte, and you know the areas, that's, this is the north side of Charlotte, then you know that Tanglewood was not the best neighborhood. Allen Hills, I'm right next to Allen Hills, uh, which is uh, not the best area. But, that, but coming from New York City, I'm going to be honest with you, when we come out here, or when, when I came out here, I was looking at it like, yo, this supposed to be the hood? Is, is this supposed to be the hood? Because it looks kind of nice to me. You know, to, to to me, the comparisons of hoods is, is not really a comparison because there's, it's so different that you would have to name it something else to be, to, 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 it, they don't, they don't compare. It's not the same thing. You're talking about in the hood in New York is, is high rises, is, is project buildings that go up to like 15 floors and buildings where people are, are, are literally living on top of each other. And then you come down here and everybody's kind of spaced out. Um, so, you know, even though it was technically according to everyone who, who's from here was the hood, I didn't feel like it was the hood, right? I didn't feel like it was the hood, but apparently it was. Anyway, uh, we, you know, I, I built, I built a coalition of up north people. And kind of like, I was in as like the ambassador for anybody who was from New York City 
Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware, New Jersey, Connecticut, anywhere northeast. If you were from the tri-state area um, and you came down here and you were in Vance High School, I'll probably talk to you. And, you know, it got to the point where I had people up to senior year where people just was coming to me. I had people bringing people to me. Yo, they from up top. They from here. They from there. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we caught a lot of issues because of that. Couple fights here and there. You know, we had a lot of hate on us because of that. But, you know, now looking back on it, I can see why people may have felt a certain type of way about us because we were not friendly. We weren't trying to include anybody who wasn't from where we was from. We were doing things differently. We were doing things I mean, I'm not going to say we were special because we were just like everybody else, but we did things different, you know? Definitely did things different. I've, I've developed a coalition of people that were from up top, that lived in the South, that could comfortably, you know, acclimate themselves in this 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 Charlotte, North Carolina um, lifestyle that, that people were getting used to from up North, right? Um and then you meet other people from up top that's not in your school. That's in West Charlotte. Shout out to my man, Mez. Mez um, from Mez Drinks and Chill. That was the last episode I did uh, in 2019. I did it with Mez. Um, you know, he was. Uh, I think he went to West Charlotte where a couple of my other boys, uh, you know, my, my boy Busby, my boy uh, Joe Black and all of them and and Kevo, uh, Jr., as we call him. Uh, these were all people that were from New York but came down south, and, you know, they developed their own coalition, and we kind of, like, came together when because there was a transfer of schools and all of that. But anyway, pretty much uh, we got into a couple of fights with people who were from here and... You know, we had a little bit of issues here and there, but eventually, you know, those things subsided, you know, go to college. Everybody kind of understanding that we're all here pretty much for the same thing. At that point, when I thought I was leaving here, I, I, I had a delay in my plan because my plan was to leave after high school and, and, and go back to New York. But it didn't happen that way. Uh, you know, I went to CPCC, which is a community college out here. And if you went to CPCC anywhere between the years of 2003 and 2008 or nine, you ain't get no work done because it was just a meeting of the trap stars in CPCC. OK, it was nothing but everybody from the hood who, who just met up. You, you, it's just like, what is it, 13th grade, basically. We was in 13th grade. It was people from other schools that was linking up with everybody. And, you know, it just became a, a, a place where people made money. People were, doing, people were doing everything but going to class. I can, I can basically say that I, I squandered my college career just, Aligning myself with the, with the with them boys, basically, right? So now we in CP, 
We doing our thing. We had the coalition still basically intact. We were, uh, you know, I was uh, aligned with a music group at that point in time. I was the, the head hype man, the number one hype man for the music group. And we we basically took the music and decided to, you know, take the coalition and, 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 and support the music with the coalition, right? And along the way, I meet a couple cool cats, a couple people from here that are, are real ones. And, uh, you know, my, 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 my view of Charlotte uh, begins to change. And this is when I start to feel more comfortable. I start to feel more at home because, you know, now I've been here for a couple of years. I know a couple people. I know that people are from back home, but then I also have people that are from here that are you know, trustworthy, good people, some funny people, people that I could really re relate to, even though we're not from the same place. So I start learning more about Charlotte, North Carolina, and le learning more about, you know, the places out here where it's, it, you know, neighborhoods are half black, half white. You know, there's mixed kids growing up in the neighborhood. They all know each other. They all love each other. They all showing love. You know, it's 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 different than, than uh back home and all of that in, in, in the Bronx because it's like, you know, it's country out here, but it's different. You know, it's a different set of rules out here. It's a different set of standards and everything, but everything is pretty much the same. It's all about respect. It's all about love. As long as you're doing that, you're good. Um, you know, I grew up on, uh, you know, Nevin's Road, off Nevin's Road, um, but... I've been on every side. I've been on, that's the north side. I've been on the east side. I've been on the west side. I've been on the south side. You know, I live on the south side currently, but I've been on Tuck. I've been on uh, Albemarle. I've been on, uh, far I've been in Farm Pond. You know, like, these are places that, that are, are legitimately rough places in Charlotte. And these are places that I've learned to get around in, in this, in this city. Um, now, you know, time goes by doing the music thing with, with my coalition of up northerners and people who are from back home with a, with some help from some, some, uh, original Charlotte people, you know, we getting our music going, we doing our thing, you know, music is being made, music is being promoted, but this is before cell phones had like, you know, social media, you know, this is when cell phones had, you know, uh, Snake, like, like that was the hottest game we had, well, at least me, I don't know about everybody else, I didn't have a two-way pager or none of that other stuff or a Sprint phone, I only had the, the, the joint with the, with the, with the Snake, right? Um, and then, you know, you come out, there was other phones that was coming out, but, you know, it was too expensive for me to buy one. So I was just getting the joints that I could get. But anyway, this is before all of that. I was doing music before YouTube and and and, and uh, Instagram and Facebook and all of that. But, you know, we with the music, you, you meet people who have similar tastes, similar... Uh, aspirations of getting out of, you know, where they live at and, and what they want to do and all of that. Now, I basically was doing that and then I had, that was my business life or my 
my life as far as music is concerned. And then, you know, I had my actual life where I was home, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to get money and move out of my parents' house and all this other stuff that was going on. And we were basically trying to make a way for ourselves, right? Um, with the help of our parents and my parents, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I ain't, my mother helped me as much as she possibly could. She done thrown a whole lot of money behind me. So shout out to moms because she done always supported me, always gave me nothing but love. Even when I was doing stupid shit, things that I shouldn't have been doing, she's always supported me. So shout out to moms. Without you, I don't know where the hell I'd be. Um, but you know, we doing a music thing. We, 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 we ain't, we ain't getting a lot of traction, but we, we been making some noise out here, right? Making a little bit of noise out here. Um, I, you know, I got linked up with a couple of, uh, some troublemakers out here who was doing some things, you know, making some moves out here, moving and shaking. Um, and I basically, you know, couldn't do college no more, man. I was spending time with some of the the biggest movers and shakers in Charlotte, right? So I'm not even going to school. I'm not even going to class. I'm 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 saying, yo, fuck that. We gotta get this money. You know, I'm chilling with the movers and the shakers. I ain't really worried about none of that. I ain't worried about you know. And I should have been. I should have just finished college and got my degree and, and and did what I needed to do but you know what that wasn't my path not not for me anyway um so we started doing the music I have a whole nother set of friends that I'm into whole nother type of other situations with and you know that's why I'm gonna get into this story right there's all right so I am doing music but at, there's a point where the music is kind of like, it's not moving the way that we want it to move. And plus, it's not the main source of income, right? So now, some of my some of my homies from back home come down here. Now, uh, one of my homies, uh, Trey Pound, who's one of my good homies, his brother comes from Long Island down here. Right. And he brings two of his homies with him and we start, you know, moving and shaking with the booty. If you don't know what that is, cook, it's, it's purple haze. Right. It's uh, hazy, though. Right. So we was, the, we was the first ones with that down here. Um, I ain't going to front. It was it was mainly. um. His brother that was bringing it down here, he had to connect, and we were moving it, basically. Uh, but, you know, we moving and shaking in Tanglewood, which ain't ain't a good neighborhood at all. Ain't a good neighborhood at all whatsoever. Um, you know, I had a little girlfriend at the time that would let us take our, our car or whatever, right? So we would go out on missions in their car and be doing dumb shit. Right. So we start linking up with other people. Now, this is where in, in, in at this point in my life, I don't care about nothing. I'm on 
I'm on demon time right now, as the, as the young boys say, right? I'm on demon time. I'm moving and shaking around. Uh, I meet and link up with a homie who's not all the way there. He's like, he's off, but he was getting money. So um, he starts telling me about the way he's getting money and how he's getting money and, you know, how I can also get money with him, right? So I, I'm sitting back, I'm thinking about it. You know, I had, I had nothing going on at that point. I was out of college. I had dropped out. I had moved out of my mom's house and I was living in the hood in Tanglewood and we was just basically doing what, what we needed to do to survive or what we thought we needed to do to survive. Um, and man, when I tell you, my man brings me to his guy, right? And his guy was basically into check fraud and, and basically, um, the, 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 the setup was, well, not the setup, but the operation was, uh, based off of Wachovia Bank. Right, it was based off of accounts at Wachovia Bank, right? So this guy was basically—I don't know how he was doing it—but he was getting social security numbers, or he was getting on uh, your social security number made it like he had a company and he was creating checks, right? So now that I, I, I basically worked for the bank and everything, which is kind of crazy, right? But he was making these accounts and he, I don't know if he was pulling money from other accounts, but what he was doing was he would put your name, your information on the check and then you would go in and cash the check. You would take the check, give it to him. He'd give you your portion and then you gave him his. So, you know, the homie's telling me about the situation. He lets it. it I'm I'm with it. I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. Let's do it. So I decided, yo, I ain't got nothing to lose. Let's go. We'll do that. So I go ahead, give the homie the information, gives it to the dude. All right, dude says, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to call you and we're going to link up. We're going to link up. And then we're going to take a ride out of town. So we were in like a, a extended SUV, one of them super large SUVs. And in the SUV, we got people from all different types of sides and hoods and places and all of that. And we all in the same, we basically all in the same car, but not a lot of us know each other, right? So we don't really know each other, but we know what the operation is. The operation is to go into these small towns, go into these stores, cash these checks, get out, get the money, and get out, right? So we get the money, or we get the checks. We go out of town. We hit these small towns up. We go into these stores, and we cash in the checks, right? 
So they have been doing this for a while. They've been doing this for I don't know how long. And this is why Wachovia is no longer. Because they basically were just letting people do whatever they wanted with their accounts. And I don't know how this account got set up this way. But the the, the dude was, he was definitely on top of his, his, his business. So the dude that ran the operation is pretty much driving the car. Everybody else is to go in. Cash the checks, come back in, right? So they're waiting. They don't. They don't send me in at all, and because we were going in in waves, we weren't going in like, oh yeah, everybody goes in at one time. Nah, it was like we were sending in waves. So I'm and I'm the new guy. So they're like, right, we not. We need you to fall back and. You're gonna we're gonna tell you when we're gonna need you to go in these stores. So I'm like, all right, cool. So basically, I sit there and I'm waiting for my turn. So we get to this one store, right? We get there. Now we didn't have we didn't been doing this for like an hour or two hours at this point, and we're out of town. We're in a small town um outside of Charlotte out of town we're doing this going in the store i see them going in and out the stores they're coming back with the money so i know it's legit well not legit legit but i know they, they they're getting the money so i'm like all right i made it up in my mind i'm like i'm gonna go in the store right now mind you i'm with one of my my what i thought was one of my boys at this time he's the one that put me on to this whole situation he's the one that brought me along and he's the one that Basically told me what was up. So we go into this one store, right? Now, mind you, I'm nervous. I'm nervous as fuck. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous because I never did this before, right? Now, we go in and now I, if you go in the store, they make you put your fingerprints on the check. Which dumb, dumb me. I'm, I'm all right. I'm going to go do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give me your ID. So the lady takes my ID. I put my finger on the uh, fingerprint on the check, and then all of a sudden she stops. She stops and she goes to the back. Now, mind you, she has my ID, but at this point, I'm like, "Oh shit!" I was already nervous. So I had worked in one of these stores before, so I know how this. I, I know how this goes i know what the procedure is right so once she left me at the at the register i i'm like yo i'm out i'm out i'm i'm gone or whatever right now the dudes that were with me that went in with me were they went first and they got theirs you know their checks cashed basically and they took their money and went into the van or the car or whatever the suv so they get in an SUV and I'm sitting in there waiting. Now, Shorty's in the back for more than, I want to say, three, four minutes. After the fourth minute, I I panic. I was like, nah, I'm out. I leave. So I leave. But when I go outside, the SUV is gone. The SUV ain't even there no more, right? So I'm 
panicking. I only got my little flip phone on me. I'm panicking. I call my boy up. I'm like, yo, where are y'all at? Y'all left me. What are y'all doing? I don't even know where we're at. I don't know what town we're in. None of that. Y'all need to come back and get me. Because if you don't, I'm coming to find you. So he's, I could hear him in the in the uh, car telling him like, yo, we got to go back. We got to go back. Go get him. Go get him. Yo, you can't leave him, blah, 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 I don't know why they left in the first place. I don't know if he was putting on a good act or whatever. But anyway, basically, they come back. Now, I, but they don't come back to the spot that we at. So I got to walk to the street for them to pick me up. So I walk to the street. They pick me up. We bust a U-turn. We headed back to Charlotte. We headed back to Charlotte and... On the way back, we see the blue and white and whites behind us. We we boom. We like, oh, we're fucked. Man, we got fraud checks in there. There's checks in there. We're ripping the checks up, putting them in the back. Yo, you know, we we over here, uh, we 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 making sure that we got everything in the seats, under the seats, all of that, right? So they pull us over. They pull us over and they're like looking in the car, got the flashlights on us. It's dark at this point. And they like, I everybody out the car. I'm like, fuck. Alright, so everybody gets out the car. Then I hear the, the officer radio go off and it gives a description. Yeah, uh short, light-skinned male with long hair and blue jeans and a red hat on. That's exactly what I had on. Boy, I'm I'm just looking at my these 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 people. I'm like, yo, I'm about to go. They come, they slap the handcuffs on me. Slap the handcuffs on me, they put me in the back of the car. I'm in the back of the car, I'm in the back of the cop car, and I had to go in my with the with the cuffs on, I had to go in my pocket to take the my flip phone out. I unflipped it, I called my girl at the time and told her, look, I'm about to go to jail. You don't have to come get me because I'm going to jail. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm probably going to jail. So I'm telling her what's up. She's like panicking, but she's like, all right, well, I'm going to go see if I could, you know, get some money and then I'll, 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 I'll be up there. Right. So I'm preparing myself mentally. I'm just thinking I'm like, oh, I'm going. I got to make sure I'm I'm ready because I'm going. I already know I'm about to do fed time. All of that. They got my fingerprints. They got my IDs. No way I'm getting out of this shit. Right. So uh, a couple minutes go by. I see them talking to everybody else, but they're not really like pulling anybody. They didn't search the car at all. They. They didn't do anything further, right? So they come to me, take me out the car. And the cop says, uh, were you just at this store, like, not too long ago? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, were you trying to, you know, cash a check? And I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, we got a call that you threatened to blow up the building and you was going to... And I'm like, what? Are you serious? Nah, I, I left. I left it. I left. Whatever, right? And uh, I made up some lame excuse like, yo, somebody called me. It was an emergency. And then we, we was trying to get out of here. And he's like, yeah, all right. Well, you know, um, well, 
you know, we're going to let you go. You know, y'all ain't got no weapons or none of that. So uh, we're going to let you go. So before he takes, well, after he takes the cuffs off me. And when he takes the cuffs off me, I'm like, okay, good, whatever. Then he, he looks back at me. He says, hey, look, I have your ID and your check. And I said, what? He said, yeah, here's your ID and here's the check that you tried to cash. I said, oh, thank you. So I take the check, right? Now, mind you, by this time, everybody else was in the car, right? They had told everybody else to go in the car. So nobody saw that I got the check and my ID back. So I get in the car. I'm like, yo, yo, let's go. Go, just leave, just just go, right? Because I'm, I'm like, yo, this had to be God. Had to be God, nothing but God was, was, was with me in this situation. Because when I tell you my fingerprints was on there, my ID was there, I was done. I was over with. There was no way I was getting out of that situation without me having to get a lawyer and explain exactly what happened. Bro, when I tell you... That changed my, that was the beginning of me changing my life. Because at that point, I realized God was like, yo, chill the fuck out, bruh. Please, chill the fuck out. Stop doing dumb shit and get your life together. Now, after that, you know, I'm still kind of hanging around the same people that I was hanging around, but. Not like I was, man. I mean, I had such a disdain for those people that was in that car because they basically left me. They was going to leave me there to rot. Um, The cops was going to take me. I was going to go and I wouldn't have had nobody there with me to help me. And, bro, when I tell you that God just basically smacked me in the face like, yo, get your life together. Man, I tell you that same year, my aunt gave me the opportunity to move back up to New York. And get my shit together, I did. I left. I left because I couldn't trust. I, I felt like I couldn't trust nobody. I couldn't trust nobody and I needed to go back up top to clear my head. And I did. I cleared my head. Uh, I had a couple issues when I went up there because I was still kind of, you know, off. Still off. Still hadn't dealt with a lot of the the things that had made me who I was. Um... But that was the turning point in my life. Definitely helped me get my mind right and make me realize and pay attention to the signs. Because I could have easily went right back to doing what I was doing to go get some money. But I, I didn't want no parts of it. I definitely didn't want any parts of it. And, um, you know, that was the, the biggest the biggest and the most prevalent message that I ever got from God, man. It was like, yo, you better get the hell out of here because this ain't for you, boy. And, you know, since then, you know, I got to thank my family for always holding me down, making me a better person, making me a better man, helping me realize my true potential and getting to that point. Um, but that's, you know, after that, after I lived up there in New York for two years, I came back to Charlotte. I came back to Charlotte, you know, um, did some music or helped with some promotions here and there. Um, and you know, that's how a lot of people in Charlotte knew me. 
uh, or know me is from doing music and all of that and being a, a, a promotions and, 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 and public relations type uh, of person. But that was my biggest and most prevalent lesson to learn was like, yo, boy, you if you want this life, you can have it. But are you ready to deal with what comes with it? Right. And are you are you ready to deal with that? Are you ready to deal with the consequences and the repercussions when they come at you? Because it can go down very easily. It could go down very quickly. Um and as my step pops has always told me, you know, everything comes out in the wash, kid. Everything comes out in the wash. You know, you can do things in the dark, but it's going to always come to the light. You know, I always thought he was talking bullshit. But, man, listen, when I tell you, it was like he was, it was a speaker with his his voice telling me that shit when I was in the back of the car, back of the cop car. Oh, my God. It was never a time where I, I didn't hear his voice any clearer than that night. Uh, but that's just, you know, what made me, man, and made me be who I am today. I'm a family man, you know, five kids, married, uh, you know, I, I, I don't do none of that stuff no more, man. I don't do none of that stuff. Top of the year, I quit smoking, I quit drinking, man, because I, I haven't had, I've been smoking and drinking since I was 13 years old. So I had to take, I got to take a break. You know, I got to look after me. And that's what I want y'all to do. I want you to look after you. I want you to do what you got to do for you. I got. I want you to find that power in you to make sure that you're good, you know? And that's what this episode was about, man. Just giving you a little bit about me. Now, normally at the end of the day or at the end of the, the uh, interview, I would ask five questions of somebody, right? But... I'm not asking anybody because I don't have nobody other than me right here. Um, but I'm going to ask y'all five questions, right? And you can ask these questions to yourself. These questions are as follows. You know, what's holding you back? You know, who really motivates you? What are you waiting for? Do you have mentors? And are you ready for failure slash success? Because both come hand in hand. Now, I want to I wanna thank everybody who's tuning in and um, has tuned in in the past. Uh, I want to thank um, all my future listeners ahead of time for tuning in. Um, because this was a part of my life that I, I wanted to share with everybody so that they could understand exactly who I am and why I am where I am right now. Um, you know, I'll go into detail, you know, some of my background, maybe in another episode, but this is basically, you know, the gist of my, my life here and right now, uh, just a quick lesson for everybody, man, you know, you know, pay attention to the signs. The signs are always there. You just got to be paying attention, man. You know, and I want to, I want to thank everybody for listening and, just do whatever it is your heart is calling you to do, man. You know, don't let nobody ever pressure you into doing something that you don't really want to do or don't don't really have to do either. I mean, sometimes we even want to do st certain things that we don't really have to do. Um, but hopefully this this episode finds somebody 
and it changes, you know, how they view their life and certain things that they do in their life, man. I want to thank everybody once again, and uh, it has been a pleasure to speak about my life with y'all. I want y'all to tune back in whenever you can. Now, follow me on social media. Follow me on Instagram, and that's Big Facts with a 5, not an S, B-I-G-F-A-C-T, 5. And uh, if you're on Twitter, it's uh, J5, a.k.a. Big Facts, B-I-G-F-A-C-T, 5. Um, and definitely, you know, Follow me on Clubhouse. Follow me on social media. We can definitely link up. I'm still doing promotions. I'm still, I'm still, you know, aspiring to act and get two of these scripts off that I've been writing because I've been writing two scripts for movies. That's coming soon. Um, I'm editing videos. Um, I'm making a movie. I'm on. I'm on top of it. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely exercising my creativity because that's very important and uh i just want to thank y'all man thank you for tuning in and uh you know show a brother some love peace